The world seems so unstable, so insecure. Everything is changing way too fast. But there are some things that are steadfast, things that never change. God and His Word. Join us as Pastor Randy Rehm shares truths from God's unchanging Word. For from within, out of the heart of people, that's the inner nature, come evil thoughts, acts of sexual immorality, thefts, murders, acts of adultery, deeds of greed, wickedness, deceit, indecent behavior, evil, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a person. So much for I'm basically a good person. Go and stand on the, on the street corner and, and, and say that. Skip that. Just today, Father's Day, if you have family around or you go to family and there are no believers, there aren't, or there's people there that aren't believers. And it says, you know what Jesus said about us, including you and me, we're, all this bad list, it comes from us. Honey, I think it's time to leave. In fact, Jesus said, not only does it come from within us, we love it. John 3. We did this when we were in John 3. Okay, the whole context. Remember, John 3 is where what famous verse is found? 3.16. For God so loved. Right. Okay. In John 3, 19 through 21, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, but men loved, that word is agape, loved the darkness rather than the light. For their deeds are evil. We already found out where their deeds come from, where that evil comes from. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices truth comes to the light so that it, his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. In other words, when he does the good deeds, what's proved is, is God's the one that did them in them. But the point is, not only does the wickedness come from inside us, we love it. We prefer it over the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, over the light of his words. They don't like the fact that Jesus had no tolerance for sin. No tolerance for sin. Matthew 18, 8 through 9. Now listen to how harsh Jesus says this. This is harsh. If your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. Now we'd understand he's using some hyperbole here. But he's getting point across how bad sin is. It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands and two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. If your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better to enter life with one eye than with two eyes be thrown into hell, the fire of hell. He's getting across how, how extreme God feels and he feels about sin. To answer that, that is the wickedness inside, that we love this and sin is that serious, Jesus preached repentance from sin. 
Matter of fact, if you just, when first Jesus first starts preaching, it says, repent for the kingdom of God. Repent. It's everywhere. Okay, too many scriptures to list here. But listen to this in Matthew 11 and 20. He began to, Jesus began to denounce cities, the cities in which most of his miracles were done. They saw the miracles. He's denouncing these cities where most of his miracles were done because they did not repent. Wow. Whole cities. That's just not fair. Okay? That's exactly what Jesus said when he talked about this wall falling over on these guys. That's in Luke 13. He ends it this way. Unless you repent, you will likewise perish. He takes this event an actual event where Pilate had people, and he turns that to something to call upon the people to repent from their sin. They're looking for some political answer. Maybe they're looking for a little bit of compassion. I'm not sure. But Jesus says, this is the key. Repent, or you face the same thing. He preached repentance of sin, and he preached he is the only answer, or there is only one answer to sin. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto me or unto the Father but through me. That's exclusive. That's not inclusive. That's not, well, you know what? There's many ways. No, he said, now look, at Jesus could be a liar and a con man. If you say, though, he's of God and he speaks truth, you've got to deal with that. Either he's telling the truth or he's not. And if he's not, don't believe any of his words. That's just the issue. You can believe he did a lot of good things, but can you believe his word? And his word says, I'm the only way. He told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, unless one is born again, they cannot even see, I added the word even, see the kingdom of God. No other option, there's only one way, being born again. That is this, repentance, change that comes from being made a new creature by the Spirit. In the Spirit, my word is life, and it comes by the Spirit, okay? Jesus loved people enough to tell them the truth. I'm, I'm going to say that one so you can tweet it. Jesus loved people enough to tell them the truth of their sin and the answer to it and turning to him in repentance. See, the truth of the gospel will always offend some. Now, let's get real. Nicodemus wasn't offended when Jesus said, you must be. But we know Nicodemus becomes a believer. He helps get Jesus' body from Pilate. Okay? How many of you have seen Chosen? Series Chosen? Yeah. Okay, I'm not saying all the stuff is right in it, but one of the things they show is the progression of Nicodemus, how he moves from this chief priest guy and eventually becomes a believer in Christ. John 15, starting in verse 19. Listen to what he says to those who will preach the gospel as it's written in his book. If you were of the world... The world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this the world 
hate you. Why does it hate you? Because God chose you out of the world. That's what he's telling them. Remember the word I said to you. A slave is not greater than his master. And if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. Speaking to his disciples. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me. Because they weren't chose. And they're going to hate you. I'm going to treat you like Jesus. Man, I just can't imagine having that beard pulled out. Okay, now I'm going to put in a disclaimer here. All right. Now I'm not saying Christians ought to or need to offend when they share the gospel. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying, the gospel by its nature <coughs> is offensive to the fleshly mind and heart. Without intervention of the Holy Spirit, they will never truly and honestly receive the gospel. I'm not saying you be offensive when you do it. But I'm saying, just letting you know, you, you share the gospel, it's going to offend. Jesus says so. Okay? If we minimize or tinker with, mess with the gospel to make it more palatable to our culture or people around us, it is not the gospel we're preaching. Why? Because he says it's going to offend. If you try to not make it offensive, you're changing it. Okay? Got an email. A while back, I kept it. If you're offending people by delivering the good news, I will question your delivery. Well, then you better question Christ. Okay? He's got a false premise here. He has a false premise that good news, the gospel, never offends. Well... How about this one? World War II. The war's ended. You know, for Americans and the Allies, that's good news. It's good news. The war's over. People stop dying. Well, unless you're Japanese. Then what? Your, your team lost. Okay? It, it, still good news that the world was no longer at war. But if you're on the losing side, not so much. But that's the person's premise. Another email I received is along this line. Uh, talk less, more action. More orthopraxy over orthodoxy. And if you don't know what that means, please come to Wednesday nights. Okay? Another email said something along this line. Service to others without condition. In other words, I was, they're talking about, you know, whether you feed the poor, but to get your meal, you got, you got to listen to the gospel. Okay? Service to others without condition is best is the best and most honest way to preach the gospel. And there's that famous statement, preach the gospel if all else use words. You notice what Jesus said? They, they had no problem with the stuff he did, the feeding the poor, the taking care of the They had a problem with the words of the gospel. You can't preach the gospel without words. Romans 10, 13 through 15. If the goal of a church is to not be offensive. It will either modify the gospel or marginalize the gospel. We'll talk about it maybe in private or we'll change it. If the church's goal, if a church's goal or the church's goal is to not offend, you've got to manipulate the gospel somewhere. 
Because when you tell all the evil in the world comes from you, from your heart. Yeah. I mean, if you told people that, that shootings come from the heart of man instead of an inanimate object, you'd really offend some people. The evil wasn't the gas chambers at Auschwitz. It was in the heart of the people that built the thing is the problem. I would suggest if you never offend anybody in your church, it might be an indicator that you're not preaching the true gospel. I don't know how else to say that. Jesus says it will offend. It's a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. Some groups elevate love and social justice above the truth of Scripture, the truth of the gospel. The gospel doesn't care what color you are. It doesn't, it doesn't care about what you identify as. Okay? It, it, doesn't, it doesn't care about how much money you have, what your background is. The gospel is this. You're a wicked sinner without the work of Jesus Christ. That's it. All those other things don't come into play. That's, that's the equality in Scripture. You are all sinners, and none of you deserve the grace and mercy of God. That's about as equal as you're going to get. Even when the truth of the gospel, in particular, is spoken lovingly, it can and often does offend. You could share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the most humble heart, with a true care and compassion for the lost person you share it with, and that person can still be offended by your caring. Now, many people, like the disciples that followed Jesus, the crowd, leave the church because they have heard the gospel correctly. Did, I, did you hear me say that? These people under, wait a minute, I was doing okay. Then this dying thing, and we, I'm out of here. Many people that sit in church, someday they finally hear the gospel in its clarity and they choose to leave. Not because they heard it wrongly, because they heard it correctly. Okay? Now, if people get offended with the truth of the gospel, the truth of God's word, it is to their harm. It's not the truth's problem. There's not something wrong with the truth. Okay? It, it's, it's to the person who's offended by that truth. The Word of God does not need to be altered and shouldn't be altered to keep from being offensive. When Jesus said that sexually immoral will not inherit the kingdom of God, what does a Jew in the first century mean by the sexually immoral? What would a Jewish person in the first century call sexual immorality well adultery right right fornication yeah and homosexuality don't tell me jesus didn't address that issue he just wrapped it up in one big long thing it's not what we think sexual immorality it's what jesus believed was sexual immorality okay we, we can't take it out of that he's meaning everything that okay if that's offensive to you i don't have to change the truth the truth spoke the truth 
I'm not going to alter it because it's a particular month. The Today Show, um, in celebration for Father's Day, uh, tells some stories of fathers who wouldn't be the father they are today if it weren't for abortion. Do you hear the idiocy of that? The irrationality of that? If I haven't killed the baby or was involved in, was for the killing of the baby I created, I wouldn't be a father like I am today. Keep my mouth shut, Randy. You'll go too far. I'm sorry. We do not have the right to take innocent life. Human life. We were all made in God's image. Read it in the beginning. Read it when it talks. reaffirms that context in this, Noah. He reaffirms it in the law that he gives Israel. It's way before the law. Okay, that human life has value because we're created in the image of God. Well, it's not a life. Well, then you need to do a little science and do a little reasoning, use some logic, and you'll, be, you'll realize real quick, yes, it is. Do I need to go there? If I pulled your, to part of your kidney out, your liver, and tested the DNA, guess what? That's your liver. Correct? When they test that embryo, as you want to call it, that blob of tissue, as you want to call it, you in general, and test its DNA, guess what? That ain't you. That's science. Second, let's use a little logic here. You don't have nothing and then life. You have life is within the male, life is within the female. I'm not going to get into details. And when those two living things join, what do you have? Life. Wouldn't it be getting nothing? It just continues. That's, that's just science and reason. You don't even have to throw religion into that. Okay. I don't have to change the word of God because you don't want to pay the consequences for the sin that started in your heart. Discovery Network. Yeah, I mentioned them by name because we're not live feed today. Sorry, I have to worry about being sued. Um, Discovery Network has a, a show out called The Book of Queer. It rewrites, it sort of does it in a spoof funny form, but rewrites history from a gay Lesbian context. You know where that comes from? The wickedness and the evil within the heart of man. If that offends you, praise God. Maybe you'll learn to look to Jesus Christ who solves the problem. Okay? And remember this. Jesus doesn't just say, come on, believe I'm here, that I'm a person who came and lived, that I'm a person who came and lived was killed, or I was a person who came and lived and was killed and was resurrected. You have to put your faith into, of your eternal destiny in that action and in his words. And he calls you to repent and surrender to his lordship. Let me define. Repent. Change who you are. Now, God changes who you are. But the change of mind in particular. You change. You don't keep living like you had been living. How do you know? If you're not just one of these people that walk away. Now, here's the thing is, people will come to church and be discipled, like Jesus' disciples. They'll follow the stuff around, build bonds with the Christian community, learn the Christian lingo. But when it really comes down to it, they turn. 
Okay? Why? They have not repented. They have not repented. They haven't, and it said this way, God, change my heart. Notice I said heart. That's where all the evil comes. Change my thinking. Change so I no longer desire to do those things. And when I do, I'm broken because I've done them. I don't justify them by going, well, I'm under grace, so I can. You know, you missed it. Okay? Then submit to his lordship. That is, he's in charge. So what he says is sin is what sin? Not what society says, or not what you think is sin. What he says is sin, and he says, stop it. Woman caught in adultery. Jesus is gracious in the sense that she's brought to him, accused, caught in the act. Okay? And that's the famous story, you know, where he says, you without sin cast the first stone. And I love the way people want to bring that up, even in emails I get. Would you plead, add Jesus' last line to that woman. Go and sin no more. He called her adultery sin, and he told her to stop it. We have a hard time. But wait, wait, but you don't, you don't understand. I was raised by, and I lived in, and I came from, and if you had been in poverty, if you'd been my color, if you had my parents, if you, what? No, 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 no. You don't determine sin. Culture doesn't determine sin. Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, that is the Trinity, they determine what sin is, that which offends them. And they will tell you, that's the Lordship of Jesus Christ. No, I'm going to be straight. We all sin. Some of you might be sinning right now. You crazy, weirdo, idiot preacher. I don't have to buy that from you. Go ahead. Okay? But that's a, to your own fault, to your own loss. Okay? Because it is responding to the words of Christ that brings life. You don't want to accept my words? That's okay. I ask you to open the book, which is his word. Okay? And let's see what God says about the issue. You might want to disagree with what I might say about homosexuality, what I might say about fornication. What I, go ahead. You just show it to me from Scripture where God sanctioned it. That's all I ask. I'll change my point of view if you show me God said something different. But you better come ready. Okay? These people left Christ because they had problems with what He said. They had no problem with what he did. They didn't even leave when he was talking about dying. But as soon as he said, some of you here just ain't believers. <gasps> How dare you? I've come to church. I've been following you for, and, and I've given the offering, and I, I've, I've helped in the nursery, and I've sang in the choir. And I, How dare you? Well, let me put it another way. A bunch of other people said, we cast out demons in your name. We did this in your name. We did and Jesus looks at them and goes, depart from me, for I Never knew you. See, it isn't about what you do in the kingdom. It's whether you submit to his will, to his purpose, and what he says is just, unjust, fair, not fair, sin, not sin. Notice those other words I threw in there. Not our idea of justice. Here's God's idea of justice. <laughs> the sinner goes to hell. That's justice. The wicked get what they deserve. That's justice. You, you, you want to talk social justice? That's social justice. You want to be say fair? Okay, fair is this. All of you out there are sinners. That's pretty fair. 
I'm not going to exclude any. But as soon as he chooses some and not others, people have a problem with that. Why? It's fair if he's just if he sends us all. The fact that he died and saves some. I don't care which side of that theological issue you are, you are, you agree that some are saved and some are not. And people, the world, why didn't just God just save everybody? I'm not going into that because I'm running out of time. Is it, is it the words of Christ that you trust? Maybe now, but when a child dies. Well, I thought God was in charge and sovereign over everything. Why would he do this? Maybe you live in a country. Now, we're not live feed today. Otherwise, it would be true. We're war, pestilence, wicked things are happening. Do you still trust his words? When the doctor looks at you and says, you know, I think you have maybe three months. Do you still trust his words? Well, that ain't fair. Whatever your response is, do you still trust his words? Let me give you a word. So the doctor says you have three months. He gives you this promise, and we'll see it in the next chapter. Someday, (laughs) don't worry, uh, you won't have cancer anymore. The life to come after this one is so far beyond anything you can imagine in this one. I can't even try to explain this one to you. Do you trust him? When, when that child has died, do you trust him that, that that child gets to experience that? How could you say that's not fair? When that child gets to experience an existence, you can't even fathom. Do you trust his word about what he calls sin and the answer, the solution to the problem? Let's stand. Now I know... Um, You know, this is a subject I preach on often. Sin, repentance, the cross, the gospel. Get used to it if you're not already. Okay? If you're offended, well, praise God, then I preached it right. Then listen to the Holy Spirit, and He'll deal with that offense for you. Father, I thank You for Your Word, for in it, in Your words, are truth, and in it is life. Life eternal is in your words. God, I pray for those sitting in this room that over the years have not truly come to believe. They like what you could do for them, but the idea of repenting, changing, and letting you lord over their life, it's it's offended them. I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit do the work only it can do. My words will never do it. Only the Holy Spirit, as He brings light to the words of Scripture, I ask you to call those which you have chosen now this moment, this very hour, call them to your presence, O God. Father, we ask it to the glory of your mighty name, to the praise of our God and our King. Amen. This is Stephen Wilson, and we want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope you were blessed by today's message. Truths from God's Unchanging Word is an outreach ministry of Kindred Bible Church in Caldwell, Idaho. If you would like to listen to other messages by Pastor Randy or learn more about Kindred Bible Church, visit kindredbible.org. Our prayer for you is that you grow closer to Christ as we study the truths from God's Unchanging Word.